0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. And what a beautiful song. What a beautiful way to envision God's love toward us and his heart toward us. And I, I just want to encourage you, wherever you're at in your journey, your story, you're, you're walking towards faith or in faith, or I am just asked questions and I'm trying to figure it out, we just want you to know, God has a life for you. God has so much he wants to offer you, and and he expresses that through Jesus. And so that's why we're really big on Jesus around here. We believe that he will change your life forever, and when you encounter him, it's the ultimate game-changing moment. And so our heart as a church is to share him and to to continue chasing after him with everything we've got. So that's why we've been spending the last several weeks in this series that we've been chasing after, the story of a guy named Peter, one of Jesus' first followers. And we've been looking at his life and his encounter of Jesus and how him walking with Jesus changes his life forever. And we've been seeing this arc of Peter stepping into becoming the person he was created to be, the the person Jesus saw the very first time he met him, when he's like, hey, Peter, follow me. I know you're a fisherman, but watch, I'm going to use you to bring people into life. I'm going to make you a fisherman. And we saw that story of his life continue over and over again. And we were actually going to end this series last week. We we're going to just be done with it. And a couple of weeks ago, as I was just musing on it in early morning, like just like God's like, hey, there's one more. There's just one more in this series. I want you to share it. So we're going to have one more today as we chase after this. And I would just encourage you, if you've missed any of these, go back. Go back on our, our website, newlifepetaluma.com, and just listen because it's so helpful. I don't know about you, but when you see somebody that you kind of put up on a pedestal, because this is St. Peter, right? But you also realize the guy's kind of an idiot. <laughs> it gives hope for someone like me. Like, hey, maybe I can do this too. Maybe, maybe I can step into this life Jesus has for me, and I can take part in the things that he has. And so we've been seeing this. And so today, what we're going to see, we're going to step back in the story. We're going to go back in time, and we're going to see what would be a defining moment in Peter's life. This defining moment for him in his relationship with Jesus that really set the path forward for him with everything else. Now, have you ever had a defining moment in your life? Are you old enough? Like you just look and like that moment has marked me for the rest of my life. Has anyone experienced something like that? I remember the moment I first felt like an adult, a grown up. Christy and I are driving on mountain roads. We were coming back from a camp that we'd been at. We've got our our youngest daughter. She's like one-ish in the back of the car with us. And and we're on these windy roads. And all of a sudden, I just hear the sound from the back seat. And it was like this moanful little, oh, that then was followed with, oh. And I look in the little mirror that we have, and I just see that she's now covered in yuck. And so I pull the car over, and I look at Christy. she looks at me, and I realize, oh, it's on me, okay, okay, and I get out of the car, and I go to the back seat, and I'm I'm like covering myself with wipes before this even begins, and she's just covered in it. It's just nastiness, and I just remember wiping it down, and in my head, I'm like, where's my dad? Where's my mom? I'm like 33 years old. I see, Like I, I grew up. I'm the youngest kid in the family, so my understanding of responsibility—it just didn't. It, I just everyone took care of it. It's fun with our youngest daughter. I'm like, no, you can do this. She's like, no, can you cut the apple for me? I'm like, you can do this. But I just remember standing on the side of that mountain road, cleaning up my daughter from all the Vama on her. I realized I'm a man now. <laughs> this is it. No one's coming. It's me. And for the first time in my life, I felt like an adult. That was a defining moment for me. And we're going to see this in the life of Peter. There's going to come this moment where Jesus is going to interact with him and he's going to ask him a question. And it's a game changer kind of question. And we're going to see Peter's response to this question is a defining moment for him. And I would go so far as to say the way Peter answers this question sets the trajectory of his life and everything that's going to follow in his following after Jesus. And so I want to spend some time unpacking the story because it's a fairly lengthy story but it's so much richness in it if we'll let Jesus speak to us today, I think we'll see that he wants to call us into a defining moment that could change our lives forever. And so we read this story in the account of Jesus' life that his friend John writes. John's account of the life of Jesus, John chapter 6. And what's been going on in the story is that Jesus and his first followers, they've just been going around the area, and Jesus has been doing teaching, and he's been doing miraculous signs. And, and his whole message is the kingdom of God is close. Like, hey, wake up. God's got something for you. And and so on this particular day, there's this large crowd that was gathered, and Jesus realizes, we've got to feed this group of people. And so he looks to his followers, and he's like, what do we got? And they're like, we got, we got a Happy Meal from McDonald's. Like, we've got uh, uh, some bread and some fish. And Jesus is like, cool, bring it to me, because he wants to show them something extraordinary. And so he takes it, blesses it, and they feed this crowd of thousands of people. And then the crowd goes crazy. They're really excited because they think like Jesus might be our new king. They actually want to like, put him into office right there. And Jesus is like, this is not how the plan is supposed to go. So he slips away. And then his disciples get on the boat at the end of the day. And they go to the other side of the lake. And Jesus is this miraculous walking on water thing that we've seen in the story before. And then the next day, the crowds are looking. Where's Jesus? And they walk around the other side of the lake. And so we're going to jump into the story here. Because Jesus is going to have this interesting dialogue with the crowd that's going to lead to this moment with Peter. So you ready? Let's jump in. And this is what we read as we see this. It says, they, the crowd, found him. They found Jesus on the other side of the lake, and they asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Because they saw the disciples get in the boat, but not Jesus. So they're like, what's going on? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understand the miraculous signs. It's like, you're just here for another happy meal. It's like, but don't, don't be so concerned about perishable things like food expend your energy seeking the eternal life that the son of man can give you for god the father has given me the seal of his approval and so they replied we we want to perform god's works too what should we do then and this is a big question for them because this is a group of people that had been raised under law jewish law and the way that you were right with god was by living up to the law so are you familiar with the ten commandments have you ever heard those The thought was, if I can just be good enough at these big 10, then I'll be good. God will accept me. So like, Jesus, what are the works then that God wants? And so Jesus told him, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. If you've ever asked the question in your own journey or story, like, God, what do you really want from me? Jesus just answered it. Believe in Jesus. Because in doing so, everything will come into place in your life. And so believe in the one that he has sent. And so they answered, well, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? Okay, pause. Did, did, did you hear what just happened the day before? Do you remember what I just told you he had done? Like he had fed thousands of people with a couple of fish and some bread. And so now they're like, well, if you really want us to believe in you, Jesus, do something like wh- like dazzle us. And it's like, did you not remember what just happened the day before? And they say, after all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. So they're going like way back in their story to this time where God had rescued them from Egypt and they needed food and God provided this miraculous bread that would show up to feed them every morning. They say, the scriptures say, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Like Jesus, do something like that. So Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And sir, they said, give us that bread every day. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, even though you've seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all these he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it's my Father's will that all who see a Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. Like what Jesus is saying is, your greatest hope is me. I will overcome every brokenness in your story. I'll overcome death itself. You will have eternal life if you come to me. And so then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he had said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and mom. How can he say I came down from heaven? Like they're wrestling with these things that he's saying. And But Jesus replied, stop complaining about what I said. For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day, I will raise them up. As it it is written in the scriptures, they will be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. Not that anyone has ever seen the Father. Only I, who was sent from God, have seen him. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which I will offer to the, so that the world may live is my flesh. Like Jesus is dropping some big teaching in this moment. And he's inviting them to understand that if you want life, you're going to find it in me. And he hasn't gone to the cross yet. He's envisioning this moment that he's going to give up his life as a sacrifice to give us all life. And he's trying to help them understand this and invite them in it. And they're just struggling with it. And so then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat, they asked. Right. I mean, they're like, we're not cannibals. What are you talking about, Jesus. And so Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. Do you catch how many times he keeps saying that phrase? I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. And again, he's talking about like, this reality that we, we need to embrace the life he's offering us. So there's, there's this thing that we practice today. We call it communion, Right? Where we take the bread and we take the cup. And it's symbolic of us saying, Jesus, I want the life that you have. And when we eat it, it's like us saying, like, I want to absorb your life into my life. And so this is the things that Jesus is talking about. He goes, for my flesh is true food and my, drink, or my blood is true drink. And anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. And he said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. And now we're getting one step closer to Peter in this whole long conversation because now his followers begin to wrestle with what he was saying. So then many of his disciples said, this is, a, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Have you ever been there with Jesus? Like Jesus is just talking about something and you're like, question. <laughs> like I, help me understand this, Jesus. And this is them in this day. They're wrestling with it. And So Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, okay, let's pause right there. What do you think Jesus is going to say to his followers that are wrestling with what he's talking about? So I think if we take a, a, a modern view of Jesus, the Jesus that maybe we've created in our own image, we think that Jesus is going to be like, oh, I'm sorry, is this too hard? Let me, let me make it easier for you. I think that's a lot of times what we think Jesus might do, but look at what Jesus says. Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, so he said to them, does this offend you? That's a, that's a big question, isn't it? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? Like what Jesus is saying, what if you could see me in all of my glory and wonder? What if you could see who I truly was? Would that be enough to convince you that what I tell you is the truth? Even if you don't get it or understand it, would that be enough to convince you that maybe I have words of life and I've come to give you life? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing, and the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones wouldn't, didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. And then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. Like, like the point he's making is that it, it's not about your effort. It's not about you being good enough. God has to be a part of the story, awakening you to something that you need. And when you lean into that, he'll lead you to me, and then you'll find life. And yet, look what happens. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Like this was just too much for them to handle. This was their walk away proposition. Jesus, I don't know if I like what you're saying. I'm out. And then Jesus turned to the 12, who his core group of followers, amongst whom Peter is one of them, and he asked, "Are you also going to leave?" And this is the defining moment for Peter, because I love how Peter answers this question. Look at what Peter says. Simon Peter replied, "Lord, to whom should we go? You have the words that give eternal life." We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. And, and I love this response that Peter has in this moment to the question. Because what I would think Peter would say if I was just kind of being raised in like, like a shallow kind of religious faith experience is that the response Peter would give is, Oh, No, we're not going to leave Jesus because following you is awesome. We're not going to leave Jesus because it's always fun when we walk with you. It's never challenging or difficult. You're amazing. No, what does Peter say? I don't know if I get it either, but you've got the words of life. I'm kind of stuck with you. I believe who you are, and in this moment, Jesus, that's enough for me. I don't get it. I don't understand what you're saying, but I'm going to go with you because I believe you have life for me. And see, this is the defining moment for Peter because he realizes that Jesus is enough for him even if he doesn't always get what Jesus is doing in his story. And he's willing to go with Jesus, even when it's confusing or it doesn't make sense. And there's something hugely significant that Peter shows us the importance about walking with Jesus as we want to chase after him into the life that he has for us. And it's this we don't follow Jesus because it always feels good, we follow Jesus because he is good. And friends, that's, that's got to be enough. See, Jesus said this, that, that he said he came that he would give us life, life to the full. But I think sometimes we wrestle with that because we're like, Jesus, I, I know that, that you have a life for me, but I'm just going to be honest. Following you is really hard right now. Following you doesn't really make sense right now. I'm kind of confused about what you're doing in my story. I'm kind of confused about some of the things you're talking about. And that becomes a defining moment for us, just like with Peter. Will we keep following him even when it doesn't feel good because we believe that he is good? And I'll just be honest with you as a fellow sojourner, I'm challenged by this. Because there's times in my story where I'm like, I don't know, Jesus, I don't know. And I'm challenged by this as a leader in our church. Because there's times when I think that what we want to do is we want to share Jesus with others, but, but we kind of offer what I would call a light version of Jesus. We offer a light version of Jesus, maybe a feel-good Jesus who's just about our felt needs because we don't want to upset or offend anyone. And it's a dangerous Jesus to offer, right? Because a feel-good Jesus, though, though appealing at first. Like, here's the deal. It's, like, it's almost like we offer an infomercial Jesus, right? Like, hey, pray now, all your problems will go away. Here's the 800 number. It's like, I mean, it's almost, that's the sense of like sometimes how we offer Jesus. And and I think we do this with the best of intentions because we don't want to offend someone's sensibilities, right? Like like somehow we're afraid to blow the sales pitch before we even get the product off the shelf. And yet, here's the thing, a feel-good Jesus, though appealing at first, is not the Jesus we need for the realities of life. Because when life hits hard, when it all begins to fall apart, has anyone experienced that? <laughs> when that's the reality of what we experience, but this is the only Jesus we've ever known, I don't know how this guy can help me. <laughs> right? Because when, like, when the rug's been pulled out from under me, when, when they've walked out of my life, when I've got the call from the doctor I didn't want to hear, when I'm in financial crisis, when the world is spinning upside down, this just seems stupid. And the reality is that that's not how Jesus ever presented himself to us. In fact, Jesus told us, hey, this is gonna, there's going to be hard things in this world that you're going to have to deal with, but have some hope. Look at what he says in John 16, He says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. And he, he could have just stopped there, like mic drop. <laughs> but he goes on and he says, but take heart. Because I've overcome the world. I win. And you're with me now. So let's keep going. And so when we're facing those things he's talking about, when we're facing those trials, I'm not sure what this guy can do for me. What this this happy Jesus can do in those moments. But see, it's not just about when life gets tough. See, the problem with this being the kind of Jesus that I want to follow is, when I, when I disagree with this Jesus, when I wrestle with this Jesus, when this Jesus is trying to work in my story, and he's like, hey, Joel, in this area of your life, there's a fork in the road, and one path leads to life, and one path leads to death. And so, Jesus, let's go, Je- Joel, let's go left together because I want to lead you into life. And I'm like, but Jesus, I, I think right looks really good. I'm going to walk away from this guy. Because this guy, like, what is this guy got to say? This guy's just all about how I feel, right? This is the guy that want to make, wants to make sure that Joel's never upset. And when I'm, I mean, I'm not agreeing with them, I'll be like, hey, I got it. I'll, I'll go this way, right? Because you're on my team, right, Jesus? And yet the amazing thing is that when Jesus invites us into life with him, I don't think it ever went like this. Hey, Joel, can I follow you? When Jesus invites us into life with him, you know what he says? Follow me. That's the path to life. That's where the story starts. And see, I I think we need a Jesus who is big enough to be at work in our lives and in our stories. A Jesus who is big enough to deal with the brokenness in this world when we face it. But we also need a Jesus who is big enough to deal with us who's actually even willing to stand up to us when we're wrestling with him because he's actually for us. Who's willing to come to us and say, I'm going to challenge you on this because there's a path to life and there's a path to death, and I want to lead you into the path to life. And when we begin to struggle with them over those things, we need a Jesus who's willing to say, I have a life for you. Let's wrestle. Have you ever gotten into a debate with someone about something that you knew was good, but they were doing their own thing? I got into this heated debate several years ago. I mean, it was intense. It's the kind of one, like, if somebody was filming on Facebook, it would have gone viral. And so I'm like, I'm trying to be a follower of Jesus, and I'm trying to be a loving man, but, like, no, let's go, let's go, toe-to-toe. You want, come at me, bro, so we go for it. And we're having this debate over whether my six-year-old daughter should be taking a nap or not. (laughs) And she's fierce in this moment. And she's like, no, Dad, I'm not going to do it. And I'm like, listen... You need to take a nap because you're not your best self right now. We're not enjoying you, and we know you could be better than this. And so we, like, we had this little, like, argument until finally I just said, like, I'm the boss applesauce, you know, and I'm like, go take a nap. She must have screamed in the bed for, like, half an hour until suddenly there was quiet. And I remember sneaking up to the room and walking up to the bunk bed, and I looked through the slats like you can see in this picture, And my heart just smiled. Can can you see almost this little smile on her face? It's almost imperceptible. Because that's what I wanted for her. And I knew in that moment when we were going toe-to-toe that she wasn't going to like me. She was even going to maybe hate me. But I was willing to be perceived as something I knew I wasn't because I wanted to give her something really good. I wanted to give her this moment of peace where she could come back to herself and wake up and enjoy being with me once again. I think that's why Jesus is willing to say hard things to us sometimes. Because he knows that those are things that are meant to lead us into life, even if we don't like it in the moment. I would just encourage you, chase Jesus in your own journey. Get a hold of one of these books we call the Bible. Read the words of Jesus and wrestle with them because he's going to say things that will be challenging. He's going to say things that are going to really mess with us at times because so often what he's trying to do is to lead us into life, but he's going to challenge us on how life works. So listen to something Jesus says here in Matthew 10, 37 to 39 about following him. He says, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. Wow! And what he's, he's not saying don't love other people, but what he's saying is you, you've got to come to me with all of you and be willing to follow me even if it costs you other things in your life. Because he goes on and he says, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Am I the only one that feels the tension in those words? Oh my goodness. I'm like, Jesus, I, I don't know. And, and I'm wrestling with things when he talks to us like that because it, it can almost feel like he's being heavy-handed. And I'm like, I don't, I don't like that, Jesus. But what if, what if he's not being heavy-handed? What if he's simply telling us the truth about life? What if he's telling us what he knows to be true because of who he is? Like, what if he's trying to help us understand that it's actually impossible to grab a hold of the new life that he offers us while we're still holding on to the old life? And what he's wanting us to understand is that if we truly want to experience the life that he's come to give us, we have to be willing to let go of the old life. Because I don't know, have you ever seen somebody miss out on something that was right in front of them because they were unwilling to let go of something they were holding on to? Okay, so there they are. They've been chasing after this the whole movie. They've been in this pursuit of getting the sacred cup. And they suddenly get a chance to find it. And one person is going to lose their life because they failed to let go in the pursuit of something they should have let go of, but not him because his dad is looking out for him. Can we roll the clip? What if it's more like that? When Jesus calls us to things. I'm inviting you into life. You know what I love about that scene in the movie, by the way? It's a a really deep scene, if you know the story, because he's just trying to get his dad's approval the whole movie. And so he's going after this quest with his dad because the one thing he wants is his dad to recognize who he is, to call him by his real name. And then here in this moment when he can think he can get the thing he wants most, there's his dad saying, let it go, come to me. And in that moment, he gets his dad. I love that. What if that's the same thing? Like what we're looking for most in life is that thing that can satisfy us. And here's Jesus saying, I've got life for you. Just be willing to let go of the things you're chasing after and grab onto me because you will find what you're looking for when you grab hold of the life that I have for you. And this is Jesus inviting us into that. Because did you catch that right in the middle of the big conversation he's having with that crowd of people on that day? He's offering them life because he says these words, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty And yet there were some on that day who missed out on it completely. Because for whatever reason, they didn't like what he was saying. And they missed the opportunity to step into the life he had for them. See, for them, this dialogue with Jesus, it was their walk away proposition. I wonder what that is for you. Because I wrestled with that. What would what would be that thing that you would call me to when I would say I'm out? Because I've had to wrestle with that a lot in my life and in my story. Will I will I surrender my relationships to you? Will I surrender my future to you? Like when he called us to leave everyone and everything we knew and to go on this crazy adventure to Canada, I knew I had a freedom of choice in that moment, but I realized that if I didn't say yes, I'd miss out on something. What's your walk away proposition? And is it possible that whatever that is, that thing you're wrestling with, is exactly where Jesus wants to meet you and invite you into surrender so he can lead you into your greatest life with him? The life that he has for you. Which is why Peter's response was so powerful and profound. It was a defining moment in his life. Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom should we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. It's powerful and profound because this was the defining moment in his life. It was the defining moment in his relationship with Jesus. And because Peter chose to walk with him and follow with him, he would go on from this moment and become this incredible man that we've gotten to see in the story A man whose life would impact thousands of people and help lead them into new life with Jesus. Because Peter understood in this moment, we don't follow Jesus because it always feels good. We follow Jesus because he is good. And so what if? What if our willingness to follow Jesus, even when it's confusing, it doesn't make sense, even when we don't like it. It's not just about a defining moment in our own lives. But it's actually about an opportunity for us to keep following Jesus so that we will have impact in the lives of other people. Like what if following Jesus is actually not about us at all? But it's about the influence that we can have in the lives of other people as we keep following him. Parents, do you understand this is why it's so important that you pursue Jesus in your own story? So that you have something to hand to your kids? Do you know why this is so important? As we're walking in the reality of the world around us, that that we're pursuing Jesus in our own story so that we have something to show of beauty and value to the world around us, to our colleagues and our coworkers, to our neighbors. What if following Jesus is how we share him with other people? And so who's on the other side of your faithfulness just waiting to see what's gonna flow from your story into their story? And so here we are at the end of the series talking about walking with Jesus. And I think the question for all of us is, will we take the next step as he's working in our story today? Will we take the next step with him and follow him into more of the life that he's offering us and that he has for us? Because not only will that shape our story, it will shape the stories of people around us as we get the opportunity to share him with others. And so, Jesus, we're here today because we believe you have words of life. We're here today because we believe that you can change our story for the good. But I'll be the first to say that it's not always easy. It doesn't always feel good. But if there's one thing that you've proved time and time again, it's that you are good you have life for us so here today we want to stand in that place before you and say we believe that you have the words of life and so lead us into that life we give ourselves to you because we know that you are good so let's stand together and make this song our prayer to him today